Hello again. Hello, everyone that is listening to We Preserve podcast. Together here with, uh, of course, with the uh, good Harold Fernando Baca. Hello, brother. How's it going? Hi. Good to be here, Wow. I'm doing pretty good. Glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear, hear, hear that you're doing great, man. Uh, thanks for joining us yet again. Uh, so that, as always, the themes, the, 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 the things that we talk in these shows are, are very delicate and uh, this, this one is not a, an exception. <laughs> so we're going to talk about wildlife interactions. When the inter your interaction with the wildlife goes wrong, when is not good anymore. We're going to talk about that, especially uh, here in Ecuador. We're going to go on different subjects, uh, animals in cages. We're going to go through zoos, uh, pets. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about when, when interactions, when it's about in tourism, when, when you're on a tour. We're going to talk about all of this. So stay tuned until the end if you want to find out everything. Uh, our sponsors, of course, we got Cerveza Artesanal Itinerante, the best craft beer in Ecuador. If you're lucky and you're in Quito, there's delivery service and you can have a taste of this delicious beer. And uh, the, the, the other sponsors, we got Shiripuno Lodge. It's an amazing remote lodge in the middle of the Amazon, in the middle of Yasuni National Park, arguably the most, most diverse place on earth. And finally, the goal of this uh, podcast is actually to get a public trust in order to create a fund through Sumaco Nyawi, which is our own restoration dream in order to restore cloud forest in here in Ecuador. So hear us, listen to us, support us, and let's, let's get to it. So let's get through my notes because we, we have a lot of notes here with this subject. So first of all, I, before we go into the interactions of the wildlife, I want to uh, give you some facts first. The first fa fact is that 96% of, of the living beings here on this planet, it's us and the, and the wildlife that we domesticate, the, 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 the life that we domesticate. They're not wildlife anymore. And the rest is wildlife, only 4%. Only 4% of the living beings on this planet are wildlife. And sadly, today, the original wildlife that we have where we were living on this planet, 50, more than 50% of it is, is gone, extinguished. All many insects, many butterflies, and so many other beautiful things on this planet already gone forever. Okay, so starting from here, I think uh, the zoos, and rescue centers, from the point of view of conservation, that's okay. That, that's good. I, I, I go with that because we need them, because uh, we need, we need, wildlife needs rescue. When do those places go bad? When is not good anymore, Carol? I don't know if you have a few examples or some experiences about this. When is this is not right? When do the rescue centers and zoos is not exactly they're they're not doing a, a good job. Oh, thanks. Um, throughout the history, through our long journey in this planet since the last forty thousand years, we always been interacting with the wildlife. We are connected to nature, and historically, we have pets. We have wildlife always interacting with us. If you go back and look some of the Egyptian temples, you go back and look some of the Mayans, Aztecs, you know, even the the Incas, they are, have this connection with nature. So connect the nature is <clears throat> always been there for us. So Nowadays, we have a different, different thing. We have a huge density in our population as a species and also the rest of it, our livestock and pets. So they are pretty much taking the whole room of the planet 
and just leaving a little bit, little space for the other wildlife they mentioned. So having zoos, having a rescue center, I think are a pretty good idea. But it can be, it can go off the, off the hands in many cases. And, and that is the case of, of zoos that they don't have the right professional they are running. They don't have the right infrastructure. Uh, they don't have the right funding to get to their goals, which is education, rehabilitation, and, and conservation. Something. So if they don't have these things, and then the goals are kind of messed up, you know? So, and we can see it on, on shoes, we can see a rescue center here in Ecuador or in other places. Right. So it's basically with the with the goal. If the rescue center or the zoo has the goal of conservation and is actually doing it, then then, then all right. I would I support that. I would support it because we gotta we gotta with the goal of of preserving maybe a wildlife that is already extinct in the wild then the only way to keep them alive is with us, sadly. Sadly, this is a reality, right? And then, then maybe to, if, you, if they can, they, put, they, they should put them back into the wild, right? But what happens when they start, uh, uh, how do you call them? Uh, uh, I, for, I forgot the English word for the criar. Criar, can you help me with that? When you're, Farm, yes, when we are farming, when we are trying to make them uh, for as pets, you know, trying to make them, uh, to grow them as for pets or just for business. Probably if you've seen Tiger King, I hope you know exactly what we were talking about right now. When, we, when, when you've seen the documentary Tiger King, where they were doing those guys totally wrong. I hope you know, you know that by now. So that's, that's when rescue centers go wrong. When it's, uh, when it's for the photo. When it's for so for your ego, when it's for your photo, when it's just I want to have this little kitty, I want to have this little toucan, I want to have this boa, I want to have I I want I I I I, it's not that's that's when it's wrong, right? Exactly, yeah, I think so. The, when he goes first eye and then whatever is left is very is very. It creates a lot of damage wherever it goes. So, but we have another, we have these biomers, which is pretty much the trading of wildlife that has been farmed for the pet market, especially countries like Ecuador, which enjoy a huge amount of exotic animals. Let's bring a case like poison dart frog. They are very popular among people who like to have frogs in their houses. So we have an, an initiative in Ecuador that is to farm all the wildlife that is out there in the forest, still in the wilderness, pull them out, and then understand how is their reproductive biology, understand how to reproduce it outside of their natural settings. And Ecuador is kind of leading into that area where we are selling about 80 different species of frogs to the market today. And those are an example of, of what, the, the other, what we can do about it because those kind of business, actually, if they're done right, they can help conservation because what it does is to stop people going to the national parks or going to the wilderness and pull out the species that are living in nature and then change them and live in a completely different environment. So these new business, these biomers, we people are trying to understand what's their ecology, what's their biology in nature, and try to replicate the same thing but in a more conditioned area, a more calculated area that reproduction can be, can be successful. So if that is the case, those kind of initiatives are good. 
they are good because they will promote the conservation, they will promote the education, they will promote the research, and they will promote a fair trade because you're going to be buying animals that already been through this process that you know they are coming from an area that is safe and they're going to be safe. So the problem is with the wildlife afterwards. Let's say you get tired of it. They say, now what? So most of those animals, they get released in any place that people find, you know, and luckily sometimes they end up in these rescue centers or they end up in the zoos. But most of the wildlife, they're just released whenever it's possible. Right, like, uh, like is the case in many places, uh, like in London, for example, on the, or in the, what is it, the Everglades, the Everglades in the States. Uh, like yeah, they have problems with pythons and in London with the parakeets. I wonder how they, I wonder how they parakeets survive the winter over there. It's, that's crazy. But they, uh, nature and wildlife have, has amazing ways to get adapt, uh, adapt, adapt in the, in the environment. But it's not always, it's not always good for the place. You know, they can turn into a, a pest. So it's always education behind. Uh, like you said, as long as the goals are education or conservation, it's, it's fine. Uh, now, going like, for example, uh, as, an, as an example, to set an example, if you, I, I'm not sure, I don't think it's right to have, for example, a boa as pet or a tarantula as pet or toucans as pets and many other wildlife that people have them, is other, many other, many kinds of snakes. I don't think it's right just because of the example you're setting. Like if you're saying, oh, I have a toucan. Like you, you think you only, you're the only one that would like to have a toucan? We're like, we're more than 7 billion people. We're almost 8, 8 billion people on this planet. And they, a lot of them might want to have the same toucan as you. Where are you gonna take that toucan from? From a, maybe maybe you're maybe from a pet store, but I don't I don't think that's that's right. Maybe it has to do with the. It's not the same as having a dog or a cat. Maybe it's because of, of uh, generations, like you were mentioning in the in the in the previous talk that we have here with with you, Harold. Yeah, it is it is true because. Having pets, it takes a lot of responsibility. You know, having an animal living with you, it takes a lot of responsibility. So, and then if everybody, everyone's had the opportunity to have a toucan, man, that is crazy. That is crazy because what are you going to do? You might need a lot of places just to have farming toucans all over, and that's going to break the balance. So, I think we go back to education. Well, we need to be a better educated society, better educated person that to understand that there is another kind of life that is out there and they need to be respect. Yeah. They need their space, they need the resources, and they need their privacy too, you know. So I don't want I wouldn't like to be taken away from my place here and be Put it into a cage somewhere else, you know. Maybe people like that, but I don't like it. I don't. It won't be fine. So, and it has to do with the values that you've been raised on, the values of your society, you know, the values of you, of your neighborhood. Maybe what about if you are in the wrong neighborhood where everyone's like to have pets? So that would be crazy, isn't it? Yes, like it, it will be, it will, it's bad. Like we, we need to, our actions, every, every little action, there's a reaction, right? So we, we need to, we need to, nobody likes to be being, being told what to do. But it is not about that. It's, it's about that you have to be the best person that you can every day. You just got to be as, as the best that you are possibly can be every day that's that's about life that's life about so when you when you grab you need, you need to understand the background of that living being for example of the bird birds many birds you, you put them in cages 
And there's people that love birds. They say that love, they love birds and put them in cages or, or maybe they're free. Oh, they're free at my house. They have wings, man. They have wings. They, that, that means they are born to fly and be totally free. And many of those species, they are very social, which is the case of uh, parrots and parakeets. So, so that, this is wrong. It's wrong. They have wings, man. <laughs> right? I would understand to have pets if you are living in the forest, if you are an, an indigenous person, that you are in the forest. It's better to have a parrot, a toucan, a macaw, than to have a cat, than having a dog. I understand if you are inside of, of the wildlife reserve. That, that could be kind of understandable. But if you are outside of there, man, it doesn't make sense. And even today, where we have, every time we have limited resources. I understand that having pets, it will give us another another state of mind because having somebody else to talk with, it doesn't need to be a person. You can be a better person if you are with a dog, with a cat, but those are different animals. I mean, you can handle those. But having wildlife like boas, uh, tarantulas, toucans, man, that's a little bit sick. Yes, it is. It, it is what it is, guys. I hope this this uh, podcast is reaching to the per, to the people that are doing this to change because this this is what we want to do. We just, we just want to share environmental awareness, and it's not like we like oh we're angels and we haven't done anything wrong. Like guys, I have I've been there. I've been there. I've been one of these people. No, well, I never had animals in cages. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be misunderstood, but in in I mean, in, in my tours, we are both naturalist guides with, a, with each one of us with its own career. But uh, like in, even in tours, that's wrong. When I went, when I first became a naturalist and I went guiding in the Amazon rainforest, I thought I loved them so much that I just wanted to know how they, the, the, the snake felt, the, the frog felt, the, the, the insect felt. And, uh, and now, since I'm, I'm older, I finally found out that that's that's not right. That's that's not the right way to go. Look, it, it took me several years to figure this out. Okay, so I, we understand that, that that we all have our background, but it's not right. It's not right to to do this to have these behaviors. We're doing is better for the snake for every little little thing in the forest if you leave him alone. If you really love wildlife, you will leave him alone. Yeah? It's, not, it's not that you, it's not about possession. You, you can't, you don't have to, po to possess every little thing in, in order to, to show. But this is the case of also in, in, in a, as, as, as guys in a professional kind of matter. Yeah, uh, Harold, it's a, it's, a, it's a behavior that we should adopt. There's still a lot of guides that might, might do this. Maybe they would like to wrestle with the with the anaconda or hold the caiman uh, to, to, for the photo or just to, to try and get some uh, for, for extra tips but that's 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 not right that's also ego right there <laughs> what did you say <laughs> that is true man it is true well first i agree with it, with you that when we go in our early days of guiding guidance we end up picking up a lot of wildlife which is not good you know it's maybe because we we have to learn because we are we have this opportunity to live in a country that it has a very huge diversity of life so one species might look to the next species so you have to catch it in order to see what it is, in order to see the features that make one species different to another. But once you pass that learning stage, because it, all this happened in the learning stage, once you've done that, you are you build up your 
your skills, your set of skills of identifying each of them, you don't need to grab it anymore. You need to just to leave it alone. So it is understandable that the early days that of your guidance, you were you were catching everything up to in order to learn. Completely understandable because that what all field biologists do in the forest, in the in nature. You know? If you you hang out with people that are studying a snake, you will see that they will catch hundred, two, three, four hundred snakes in a field trip. But they are scientists. There is a there is a reason to catch them. There is a reason to do get that data. But if you're gonna do it for fun, because you wanna be just the cool guy, you wanna just do it for the for the Instagram, for the for the photo or something, and you're completely wrong with that. You know? And even worse, if you are doing it for tips, or even worse for Jack having the best comments. And I mean, that's completely unprofessional. That's completely unrespectful with the wildlife, with yourself, and with the planet, and with the clients that you have and you're visiting. Because what you're showing is that you can do the same thing to anybody with anything, right? Right. So, I remember being in my early days when I was learning about the forest itself. I, I have to, I have catched a lot of animals, but just in the learning stage. Now that we have a pretty good understanding, we leave it alone because that's the next step. Once you learn it, once you have it all straight out, there is no fucking reason to go back and bother those animals anymore. Right, and it's and it's not easy. I, I we understand that it's not easy. It's it's hard to do this to acquire this. Why? I remember eleven years ago, I was in the U.S. Uh, Harold, and uh, I was lucky. I was I was so fortunate to be in this magnificent, beautiful place in this lodge by the Rocky Mountains, Rocky Mountain National Park. And I hope uh, the person that taught me this, uh, I would love him to be listening to this because it was Robert Mann, Robert above man. Uh, there was this situation that uh, there was a beautiful fox that came to us. We were as volunteers. It was a beautiful fox that came very close to us, very close to us. These Latinos over there, and he's like, oh, it's so cute. Come, come, come. And then Bob Mann says, oh, get away, get out of here, get out of here, get out, get out of here. And he's like, what, what are you, what are you shooting? It's giving away the animal. What are you doing that? And it took me <laughs> many years to understand this. Why did he do that? And he tried to tell, to tell us that moment. And I remember this, and I, I thank Bob for this, because it's not easy, because it's so cute. You, wanna this, you want this interaction with a with fox, right, with the animal. But it's not right. It's not doing it, because we're not, it's, it's, it's not his... He's a interact. It's not his environment to to be dependent on humans. And not all and not all of us are nice, you know. Like we, not all of the fox, all, not all the people is gonna feed the fox. But the fox maybe is gonna think, oh, these the humans are gonna feed me. And maybe there's a, it's just a poacher. Maybe it's a poacher and wants the skin. It's an example, you know. It's it's just it, it can never end well for the the, the fox. It, it, it is, is the fox is gonna pay is gonna pay this interaction so it's not easy yeah it's, it's, it's not easy to understand this you gotta be very mature and strong to understand that it's not good for the animal so if you really love wildlife you just leave them alone let them be right right so for example the lockdown that we are all experiencing today it's pretty much thanks to one of those interactions, right? You know, one virus that was living pretty happily among the wildlife, he didn't care about primates, he made a jump. And now he's kicking our asses today, right? So there's an example of what it could end up, these kind of interactions, they are completely not needed. And this... Today, there is way more food than many years ago. I don't know why we have to keep eating this unique wildlife that is out there. Huh? But it's a whole market for it. But I guess 
the more we are in the forest, the more we are in contact with nature, we realize that each species has its own space. It's, and that space needs to be respected, you know, because that's their boundary. They feel safe, that they can behave nicely, and they can, you can have a distance that where you can look at it. And this fine, but once you go inside their boundary, then you are going against it. You're going against the animals' privacy, against the animals' even life, because you can be bringing virus. Yeah, you can be getting too close to them, or the other way around. You can be pulling virus from there too, right? So now we we have the lesson. We have learned today, we need to be very careful when we are handling wildlife that is not supposed to. That is a great example. Where we're, where we're living right now, we're getting our asses kicked by these uh, interactions gone really, really wrong. And uh, just to go through more experiences that we have in our professional careers as uh, tour guides or naturalist guides or outdoor educators, it's uh, it's 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 not it's uh, going more through that. It's like you you see that every day. For example, in, in when I was on also in the Panthro in Brazil about uh, four, six years ago, I also remember this uh, German tourist that I had that I had, and he had the we had the opportunity. We were so lucky, Carl. We're so lucky to have this very easy access, easy to get easy to get a photography of an harpy eagle. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Harpy eagles are super rare to see and it's an incredible show of nature that we have incredible. And he, the German, my German client, he was lucky enough to get a photo of the harpy eagle in flight, caught an armadillo and went flying back to the nest. So he went back to the nest Took an unbelievable, incredible photo of that. Uh, back to the nest. <laughs> yes, man. And Whoa, was, what a lucky guy, though. What right. a lucky guy. Right, right. I know. So, and he was feeding the chick with pieces of an armadillo, feeding the chick, you know, feeding it with a piece of a little piece of a cute armadillo. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. And that's all right, you know. But then he got greedy. He got greedy because. He, he asked me, hey, Gabo, can you go um, close to the nest and make the eagle fly? <laughs> can you make it fly? Just go away and scare him away. And, well, we, we, now, we understand, now I understand because of the, of the backgrounds and all the experiences, and we are fortunate enough to live in nature, and I was strong enough to tell him, like, no, that's, a, that's not good. We need to respect. That's not right. You are lucky enough already just to see this magnificent creature you, we are lucky enough. Is, we are lucky enough to, to just to see it. You, know, you already took an amazing photo, and you still want me to, 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 mess, to mess with this environment and just make him fly? And, and it's also selfish. You know, it's selfish because maybe, 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 he, maybe the harp eagle got tired of being, of being annoyed in his environment and goes away. And what about the next people? What about the people that want to see it too? You know, just, just for your photo. It's for your freaking photo, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's not right. You know, it's, 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 these interactions that we need to be we need to be outdoor educators. We need to we need to give boundaries. And if our tourists see these, they they also need to 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 denounce this behavior, right? I don't. Right, man. I think um, those are the the people that need to be educated. Those are the examples, you know. That you have first the opportunity, the fortune to be by yourself with your, with your in these great settings of nature and seeing a unique interaction and not being happy with that, not being having enough with that, and you want to push it a little bit beyond. That, that shows us what we're doing on our regular basis with nature in general, right? We are greedy, and we are greedy, son of a bitch. 
So it's interesting because that can be applied for anything, pretty much. You know, we are not we're not happy with this unique experience, but we want more of that, right? And that is when we need as a guy to say no. We need to say no because no is no. Is enough. You got plenty with this, and that's it. Be happy with that, respect it, and enjoy the fact that you are watching a unique nature event. So I'm I'm happy that you said no. I would have loved to be there to kick his ass, <laughs> but <laughs> Well, yes, yes. This is this is an example of uh, of many places. Like I just, we just gave you a few examples, personal examples, and this is the case. Also, let's say I just read an article in Africa of the gorillas. You know, tourists also getting too close to the gorillas because again, we we just gonna wanna have a close interaction with them. We just get greedy, and um, what is happening in Africa with the gorillas? We we passing them a deadly virus to them oh, yeah. deadly that is diminishing the population of them which already is almost gone so we don't need that so if tourism is preserving the gorillas in in africa let's do it right let's do it right let's be let's be part of the solution not, not part of the problem right so this is this is this is a this is when interactions go wrong also yeah you know we keep we keep them in, in, in pools in, uh, in the U.S., dolphins. When you go to these parks and interact with the dolphins in this, in this place, you're supporting that. When you go to the sea and do a snorkel and you're in the, in the, here in the beautiful Galapagos, do not touch the turtles. Do not touch the turtles. Just for your Instagram. Don't do that. Or, or oh, these whales. Oh, they, or, or, the, or, or the rays. Just don't touch them. It's, just, it's really bad for them. It's really bad for them. It's like a, let me quote this, I forgot, maybe I think it's Dalai Lama or, or a guru, uh, some guru, some uh, very smart guru. He said, love, I know, he said like this, he said, if you love a flower, don't pick it up because it will stop being what you love. Love is about appreciation, not possession, okay? And it applies to all of the examples that we've pretty much been giving here. If you love wildlife, just don't don't do it. Don't do it, man. <laughs> right? So that is correct. That is correct. Definitely correct. Um, yeah, it's, this is the the situations that we have to be educated. We need we go back always to the same the same the same verb education educate on to have those interactions and it has to do with a lot of the a lot of the regular tv shows that we have seen over the time in the last two decades it was very popular to watch national geographic or discovery channels program where you see these kind of bone and flesh heroes going into into wild places and look for unique wildlife and then jump over them or wrestle it and then bring it up and give you here and there some some facts but but the the whole thing was to go find them and chase them and capture it that was the whole thing you know? and even today we see that people are still going to these places and searching for unique wildlife like platypus you know so people go look for snakes, you know, and they're catching, chasing all those snakes just for the video, just for the photo, or the ratings, or the... So that's a little bit too much, because this is the media that millions of people are watching in the square boxes at their home, and they will think that is normal, that is what it should be doing next time you're going to the outdoors. Next time you go into the wilderness, that uh, you are supposed to grab anything that you see there. So that's pretty much the message that these programs are delivering every day on pay-per-view television. 
<laughs> so bad. What kind of example are we giving, right? Yeah. Another another subject which is a very, uh, I think, a little de delicate and very super controversial. I'm sure it has to do with the burning people, the burners, the burners. Oh yeah. <laughs> like what I want to go is to to the like it's that's a that's a, all right like a, we, we, there's people that love birds like we love we, yeah we, a lot of people love birds we love birds and everything else and in here in these tropical countries like here like like in here in ecuador we have such a it's a mega diverse country for birds as well so you can have a you can have a huge list of bird of birds that you have seen and uh, but um when it when this this goes wrong in my personal experience is the is the playback the playbacks that we that we as guides uh, a lot of guides use them to try and, and and get the birds close to you for being watched or for a photo for a photography um, if, for people maybe they don't, they don't know what a playback is real quick I'm just going to explain real quick it's like we we, we record. The, the bird sounds, the, the sound of the bird that, that emits, the, the sound that the bird emits, and we record it and then play it back. We just play it back to the, to the bird so they call, the bird comes close. So now there's a studies that this is not right because the bird must be doing something more important for their own survival, maybe eating, avoiding, avoiding a prayer or something that is very important for his own survival and then he gets distracted by this playback and he thinks oh okay maybe it's a, it's a female it's an opportunity or maybe a or a territory kind of thing and then he goes and leaves what he's doing and then he and then he goes for for one for for from my point of view selfishness again you know selfishness again for the photo, photo photography or the photo or just being watched you know it's very i think it's very critical this very <laughs> Very controversial, controversial subject. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely it is. It is very controversial, and there is people that say no, the playback doesn't give effects on bird community, but that's a little bit of the reality. The reality is there is effect. If you go to regular birding areas where most of the birding tours happens you can see it you can see that the bird community has been affected by this technique of pulling birds out so it's very it's very controversial because you have in on one hand you have uh, specialized companies that they advertise that you will see certain amount of birds during certain trips so the guys are kind of forced to go and, and troll all over the place and try to pull out these birds. And the best technique is using playback. So you can listen, you can go into, you can join these tours and you can see that the guys are trolling all day long, 12 hours, 10 hours of playback and trying pulling out birds. So it's pretty sad because this definitely is going to affect the, the bird population. Let's say birds are nesting. They will leave the nest. They are, there is a male find, that found a new territory and then a new male came in. So it's going to disrupt this natural lifestyle that birds is having inside the forest by having these extra extra stress into the life of the birds. So playback, he brings a lot of stress into the biology of the, of the bird itself. So it depends where they are, yeah, it depends in, 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 in who they are, in which bird they are, it will be the effects. But it definitely does affect even to their to their very inside, you know, it's sometimes these, these extra calls from 
extra males or extra birds around can change, you know, can change even the levels of hormones in their bloodstream, you know, and that could change behavior, that could change into another thing. So the use of playback is pretty well accepted among the bird watching communities, but not among the bird the birds communities. So birds are not the most happy animals when bird watcher guys come and they start playing their favorite song in each in each location. So and and sometimes you know as a as a guy you have to kinda come out with these super rare birds and you are kind of fucking forced to be trolling all day long for these birds to have happy customers because at the end you want happy customers and you want them to return and you want them that they they talk good about you that you are a good guy you were an excellent pulling birds out you know and and it's a little bit selfish a little bit just to be educated enough but sometimes they want, they are not even happy with seeing the bird, right? Nowadays, most people, they are able to afford and pay these birding trips. They will bring out their, their shotguns, their big, the big cameras, the big cameras, and take photos of, and will request for more playback. They want the perfect pose. They want the bird to sit in this branch. They want to pull it out. So, and sometimes it's even the extreme cases, you can see the guys and clients, they can go over that and use flash, use all kinds, all sorts of tricks to get the perfect shot. So if you go through the social media web, you can see which bird has been under a lot of stress by just looking at it. You can see at the bird's eyes how many of them were using flash. So it's pretty, pretty, very, very popular that you see a lot of these bird books where photography of wild birds have been taken. About 80 or 90% of those birds were pulled out with playback. And in many cases, many hours of sessions of photos, you know. You are not happy with this one because the branch is between the eyes. So find the next bird and give another kick of uh, playback. So, and as the story goes, so playback is very, very, very popular about birding, but it has is a very controversial. Most people, oh, oh, most people like it. Most people go okay with it, but it's a very minimum amount of people where I am in. I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> hey, but uh, what about is from your perspective? Do you think there's a there's a more like a respectful way or more uh, let's say sustainable way? Like I don't know. Like there, is there a way that you don't you don't have to give a play playback? Can you talk maybe to the to the person? I, I don't know. Let's say, hey man, this is a this is a very rare bird. I'll give you I don't know three playbacks. And that's it. There are no more. Is that what that would be? So, is there options like that? Or yes. Well, the playback is a pretty good technique. Don't get me wrong. You, you as a guy, need to know when to play, where to play, and to whom to play. So that you need to know the bird that you're gonna you're gonna play. You need to know where, how the bird is going to behave, what, what's the behavior of the bird. You know to know all those elements beforehand, before you go into play. But that, that is not the case. Most people, they know the bird sound, they know the bird features, but they are missing the whole natural history. They are missing the, the behavior. They're missing the ecology of the bird. So if they don't, don't have fucking clue about those animals' behavior, they are lost. They're going to be trolling playback all day long. But if you know that you have a bird living around him, you have to think. You have to think and say, okay, 
how I'm going to use the less amount of playback to bring that bird out without bringing any, any stress on it. So I usually say that you need only three playbacks for a species. The best, if you are the super, super top-notch bird guy, you need zero. If you are the best guy in the world, you need zero playback. But that's not the case. There's no one is a bird, the best bird guy in the world. No one. We all need it. So what you need is the less amount of playbacks for each species. So in my case, I try only three times. If the bird doesn't show up, I'm sorry, guys. You have to book the next trip for the next year. <laughs> so <laughs> so that is, that's the way it is, man. So each tour guide, each bird guide there is in front of the leading part has the ability the skills and has to be able to transmit that to the person they are leading because you as a guy has this huge opportunity to educate people that have no clue you know because most people that go into these birding tours they have no clue about birds. They are good about birding destinations. They are good about drinking beers. They are good about taking the birds. They are good to having great stories, but they have no clue about bird behavior, about bird natural history, about bird ecology, and how to do it. So if you are leading those trips and you feel like you have a a huge pressure on your shoulder that you have to pull out this bird you gotta be smart enough and knowing what kind of bird you're talking about and knowing ahead of time what are the chances that you're gonna see the bird with the amount of minimum playback that you have in your hands so you gotta tell people that the chance of seeing these birds is minimum or maybe zero so you don't sell them expectations so if you go give a try with the playback, if the bird didn't come out or you were not good enough with your skills to trick the bird out, so people don't feel like, oh my God, we missed it. Then they go into the other, in the other direction, which is happy customer to a really uh, unhappy customer. But you don't need an unhappy customer. You need a conscious customer. And that's way much, way much profitable than having a happy customer. You need a, a customer that is very well educated and very conscious about each place that is visiting and about each species that wants to see. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You could, I couldn't put it better. Like, yeah. Hell yeah, Harold. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's better. Better. An educated customer than a happy customer is better at the end. Excellent, thank you, Carol. This is that was that was pretty clear. So yes, guys, this is a this is for so the way I see it is mostly the responsibility of the guide, which is supposed to be the professional, the the person that knows more about the place, and then the the, the tourists, its clients. It'll be it'll be better if if they could know wh when is the wrong behavior of that guy, you know when he's going when he's not doing right his job when he's doing these in these interactions like holding the anaconda for a photo you should denounce that as a client you should say hey that's not the right behavior you shouldn't do that so uh, yes knowing these guys I think we got it pretty much a lot of subjects covered. Um, uh, if you maybe you don't want to maybe conclude with something else, maybe one, one, some last thoughts before we, we finish up here, Carol? Uh, all I want to say is that if you have this great fortune to go and visit the wilderness out there and have the opportunity of seeing unique wildlife, that's it. Experience it. Take it respect it, each place. Think that you 
are one of those chosen persons to be able to do it among the 7 billion of people that are living in here that don't have the same luck and opportunity to do it. So if you have this opportunity and this, you, that's it, that's it. You don't need to go beyond that and have this kind of personal interaction with the wildlife. There is no needed, man. There is no needed. Just enjoy the fact that you are able to do this. Right? Enjoy that you are able to be in, in, in a very truthful relationship with the wilderness. Understanding that you are part of it, understanding that each of those animals that are living inside there, they need their space, they need to be respected, and that it comes from all of us, especially the people that are able to travel to the wilderness today. That is my last That's excellent. You heard it, you heard it, guys. That's it. That's that's it. What what Harold just said, that that's it. Yeah, you got we we gotta you gotta be the best you can every day. Be the best person, be set the example, a good example. Be the best person you can be every day of your life and set good examples. And that way we can live in a better world. Love animals the right way, love them the right way. Don't it's, don't it's not about possession, it's about appreciation. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Harold. It's excellent, excellent. And uh, yes, I'll see you next time, guys. And uh, leave your comments, leave your opinions. What do you think about all these subjects? Let us know what you think. Give, give us your, your feedback. We would love to know what you think about all these subjects. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harold. Thank you, everyone. Until next time. See you the next time, man. Until the next subject controversial subject for sure <laughs> goodbye goodbye see ya <laughs>